Welcome to Sophos Security Chat Chat, episode 46 for January 31st, 2011. I'm Chester Wisniewski, and I'm here again with Michael Argast. Welcome Hello, back, Michael. Thanks. Uh, we've got a lot of, a, a few number of topics, but a lot of things to say today in the chat chat. Uh, a lot of security news in the last week. And I think at the top of everyone's list um, regarding internet stuff has to start with the whole Egypt turned off the uh, or tur- I guess turned on the internet kill switch would be the way to say it. Yep. And well, blocked it good. And yet the Americans have the audacity to debate in Congress whether they should have an internet kill switch at the same time. Well, now we get to see how it actually works, um, and it seems to work pretty well in Egypt. The spam stopped at least. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I did a blog over the weekend, um, thanks to Dimitri and Sophos Labs here in Vancouver. He uh, ran some stats from our information showing uh, it was about an 85% drop in spam coming from Egypt when they flipped the switch. Uh, as of this morning, I went and looked at it again, and it's more it's upwards in the 90 percentage points now. Uh, so there, there are some machines still connected. There's one DSL provider in Egypt that still has internet access. Uh, that that appears to be the official ISP for the uh, airline there, uh, Coca-Cola and some other um, oil and energy interests. So it appears they've been allowed to stay online. And as a result, their customers who happen to have a DSL modem at home also are still online. So that is one small little lifeline in addition to the ham radio enthusiasts and, and other folks that are finding ways with bits of waxed string and tuna fish cans and yeah it's interesting uh, tyrannies around the world seem to be uh in in fear of this uh, spreaded earlier from tunisia to egypt and uh china is worried about how it's spreading and apparently china has started um censoring the word egypt in various news streams and stuff like that and the chinese are getting around it by using the term pharaoh instead of uh, egypt but uh so the this kind of uh internet revolution seems to be passing on yeah i think it might be a bad day to be um a leader of a country that's trying to control the citizens through censorship and other things. Clearly the Chinese are experts at it and, and the Egyptians are trying their best to, to theoretically, I guess uh, they think that the lack of communication will somehow make people calmer. I don't know if you don't want people out in the streets, it's probably not the best thing in the world <laughs> to do to cut off their internet access. Yeah. They're more likely to stay at home in the basement if they can still play world of Warcraft, right? So. Exactly. So there are, there are a lot of things here, but obviously this isn't meant to be a political podcast so much as, um, you know, the anonymous folks who come up seemingly um, the last few months, every couple podcasts, the folks over at Anonymous, which, of course, is not anything, but it's everything. Um, they, you know, were participating in some DDoS attacks against the Egyptian government before the kill switch was thrown. Uh, in addition to that, they are actively saying they're going to do something that they're trying to find ways of helping the Egyptians. It's unclear to me how a group of anonymous internet miscreants can really have any impact, but power to them. If they if they find ways of helping the Egyptians communicate, I think that's a victory for everyone. And and um, if they can do it without breaking everything that they touch along the way, if they can, it, it's hard to have nice things when you have people like Anonymous around. Oh, well, yeah. On another news kind of further along, we were going to talk about how the FBI arrested a bunch of people and so did Scotland Yard. Related. Well, let's skip to that now then. Yeah. So this was related to the uh, the other set of attacks that they had launched, uh, the LOIC stuff. and Yeah, that was against uh, primarily MasterCard and Visa back in December. That was big news. Um, it appears that these arrests were related more specifically to MasterCard and Visa. Yep. And uh, well, by my scoreboard, I have FBI 40, Scotland Yard 5, 
So I think it's back to the Brits, really. I, it's time to step up and see if they can... Uh, uh, well, I'm a little concerned about... I mean, the FBI maybe didn't arrest 40. We're not really sure. We know they executed search warrants for people participating in these attacks. There were some hints given by the FBI in their press release that perhaps they were specifically trying to target people that were kind of organizing it. So the guys behind some of the Twitter nicks and running the chat rooms and... Uh, the things that allowed uh, for the organization of the Legion of Anonymous. And so if that's the case, you know, that's more encouraging. I'd hate to see some, you know, 17-year-old kid get picked up and uh, for just simply running a DDoS tool. I mean, it, it is wrong and it is a crime, but it seems like a – I mean, the U.S. penalties are a bit strict, I guess is what I'm saying. I don't know if you read the article I posted, Michael, but it's up to 10 years in prison per infraction. And that seems like an awful lot for running a tool from SourceForge and plugging in an IP address. That's uh, pretty close to manslaughter level punishments for something that's basically a teenager losing judgment for a few minutes. It's uh... Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, the FBI, quote, you know, arrests 40. Well, what does that really mean? That means they took 40 people's computers and a pile of USB sticks probably and all this kind of thing. And they're going to sort through that and they're going to figure out if they can triangulate probably on a few people that they really want to nail. And hopefully those people that they go after for actual prosecution within the courts in the United States won't all be getting 10 years for downloading a tool from the internet. Uh, we'll see. I mean, Scotland Yard, I don't know. Do you, you lived in the UK for a while. Do you know uh, how strict are the cybercrime laws there? Do they, do they have more sensible penalties or is it? Um, they seem to be a little bit more sensible than the US, but um, you know, everywhere is trying to crack down a little bit on cybercrime. And so they, they, they upped them when I was living there, but they still aren't you know, as strict as the United States. Okay, well, a topic that we just can't seem to avoid, even though we may not want to talk about it ever, is Facebook. Um, lots of Facebook news in the last week. Start out with some good news. Uh, they announced they're releasing HTTPS support. Yay. They've started rolling it out in the United Kingdom, United States, and Canada first. I've yet to find anybody that uh, is outside of the United States that has access to it, so it looks like it's going to be quite a slow rollout. Uh, but once it's available, it's opt-in, of course, because on Facebook you have to opt-in better security hmm. anyway it's interesting with facebook and google both offering https now what's that mean in terms of percentage of overall internet traffic encrypted it's probably increased quite a few percentage in the last little while well most people don't use httpx to access google itself they yeah. typically are using it with gmail and other things although if you use the https uh everywhere plugin available from the eff um, that will actually do your google searches over https as well as facebook and a lot of other things so if you're a firefox user um, uh, you might want to use that. But the good news is, at least for people that like to use Facebook and often visit cyber cafes or airports and coffee shops and all this kind of stuff, or if you just don't, if you just don't trust your neighbor not to run Wireshark, <laughs> um, it, you know, turn it on. Why not? And, and for the extra 111.2 milliseconds of delay it causes you from getting your Facebook fix, I think you'll survive. Uh, Zuck got his page hacked. Was it hacked? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a flaw in Facebook's API uh, for posting stuff to Facebook fan pages or groups or whatever they're called. And um, so a vulnerability was. It was yeah. I guess that's a better point, right? It's a vulnerability in Facebook's site, and Facebook were quick to point out that it strangely was you know a flaw in this. Well, they called it a bug, but it sounds to me to be a vulnerability. Like if we had a problem, I think people would call it a vulnerability. Uh, when Facebook has a problem, it's a bug, but it's a vulnerability. Okay. 
And so that that that's been fixed. That may we mentioned Sarkozy's page being hacked last week, and yep. that may be related actually because it was also his fan page. So it's possible that foreign leaders aren't important enough to get Facebook to patch flaws in their system. But <laughs> when it happens to the Zuck, um, it's time to it's time to get all over that stuff. So, and lastly, I just want to break a brief note on that: is there is a, a a virus that seemingly is making its way around Facebook and other things as well. It does support things like Yahoo Messenger, but we primarily are seeing it on Facebook called Paliva. I did blog about this earlier in the month. Um, keep an eye out, folks. It, it will chat with you from your friends if they get infected, and it will ask you to download a Facebook photo album file with some random numbers.exe, and that's a virus. Don't run it. It's well, actually, To be more accurate, that is a Trojan, and it's, it meets the exact definition of a Trojan that all of us for once can agree on the definition of what a Trojan is in this case. Uh, don't run the file clearly, but it is making the rounds, so you may want to warn your friends if you have a lot of uh, heavy Facebook users. We're getting lots of reports from both Sophos customers and, and, and fans of the Naked Security news site. And the last story, Microsoft's new zero day in MHTML. They have a really interesting way of approaching problems over at Microsoft. I'm just going to describe this bug really quickly. So there is a zero day in all versions of Windows uh, in the way, and it's part of the HTML rendering engine, if you will, that's built into XP through 7, I'm, Windows 8, 2008 RT. Sure, they, they're glad they embedded that right in the operating system. Anyway, moving along. Well, you know, uh, it, it happens. And a lot of people use that engine because it's there. Um, not everything that uses the engine is vulnerable to it. So things like Outlook Express, Microsoft Outlook, Windows Mail are not vulnerable because they run in restricted mode where they always assume everything is unsafe and will never let you run scripts and things like that. But what the flaw allows an attacker to do would be to create a website or not on the Internet and trick your browser using some manipulation of something called MHTML, which most of us didn't know what it was until this was disclosed last week. <laughs> um, the, it allows through some clever manipulation to escape the Internet zone and convince the browser that you're in a local trusted zone, um, which means that they then are able to run ActiveX scripts and other things that should be disallowed on the Internet and, um, and, and potentially infect your computer. Microsoft pointed out in their advisory that this is not in the wild. And then, of course, um, for some reason, the reason they know about it is because there is a proof of concept. So I think by definition that is in the wild. Um, there is a proof of concept on a Chinese website that I will admit is not – um, the easiest website to get to nor to translate. My Chinese is a bit rusty, but I was able to figure out how this worked in about 45 minutes. So, so the bad guys have the bad guys have, and it, 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 at, at worst, it's probably some data leakage. It's not necessarily, uh, it doesn't look like it's a totally, you know, browse and pwn kind of situation, but it's not good. Microsoft's clearly reacting to it. They do have a fix-it tool available, and you can deploy that fix-it tool using group policy objects if you're an IT administrator. So uh, for individuals, go to the Naked Security blog, click the link, go get the fix-it tool from Microsoft. For corporates, um, you may want to consider if you're an IE shop using this. It does affect all versions of Internet Explorer except for the ones in like server where it's in this restricted mode thing where you can't browse your way out of a wet paper bag until you turn off all that stuff. So if you're if you're a good boy and you haven't like gotten in the habit of surfing from your servers and you haven't disabled all that stuff, then those browsers are okay. Uh, but every version of IE8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, you know, et cetera, on your desktops um, are vulnerable, so the fix-it may be worth the mitigation in case we start seeing this pop up in the wild. I would just stay tuned to the Naked Security blog. If we see anything using it in the wild, we'll be sure to alert people so that you know that you need to take some action. Michael, we talked about zero, the concept of zero day, and I'm wondering whether 
we should take it for its word. So the day that we publicly disclosed that there was this MHTML flaw was day zero was day zero, right? That's what it means. That's what it should mean. I mean, going back to the old days, that's what zero day was. It was the very first possible moment that it was discovered. And, and within 24 hours of that, that was day zero. It's not really a very valuable term in that case though, because if you think about it, a lot of the stuff that's out there spreading around the wild is using vulnerabilities for some period of time before anybody's even aware of them. And so day zero is just basically this point of media reference. Like, what does it actually mean? And how is it useful in terms of protecting your systems? It's, it's kind of almost worthless. Well, it's, it's, come, it's become known basically as anything that hasn't been fixed by the vendor. But I think that lets the vendors off a little bit easy in this topic. Um, maybe, you know, there's, there's the kernel privilege escalation flaw from November 24th that Microsoft still hasn't even acknowledged. Mm. So we're now, uh, I'm going to start calling that a day 67 flaw. <laughs> and I think when the number gets into triple digits, users are starting to go, "Well, what happened? Where's my vendor? Are they still here? Are they on? on are they on their deathbed? Are they, you know, hello? paying attention?" Well, and there's also the um, <laughs> the the exploiting of the flaw and and kind of being aware of it as well, right? Because oftentimes we see flaws exploit in the wild before the vendor's even been notified. Stuxnet, yeah, Stuxnet being a great example of that. Um, so that's almost a negative day kind of threat in that case, right? Um, so zero day as a reference point is, is almost useless, right? Because it's really just a point in time in which there is some degree of acknowledgement that something exists, not necessarily the day it's been patched or the day. Yeah. That, you know. I mean, this MHTML thing um, showed up in full disclosure on, I think, January 15th, January 16th. It took another week before the community even really woke up and acknowledged that it might be a problem. Yep. And, and really, what, it's all about managing that surface area of risk, right? The, the reality is that all systems have some vulnerabilities at any given point in time. You're trying to reduce the number of vulnerabilities you can to the minimum possible set while still maintaining an operational environment. So day zero, it's, I mean, it's, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, I think the, it, it's, I think it can be put in the bucket with advanced persistent threat as a term that maybe had a purpose, meant something at a point, and then got used, it's, overused to where it got genericized, and then, yeah, it's past its due date. Let's put it, at, you know, let's put it to sleep. Well, that sums up another Soft Security Chat Chat. This has been episode 46. Thanks for joining us again. And uh, for all our podcasts, they're available on podcasts.sophos.com as well as on iTunes. Of course, you can read the up-to-the-minute news at nakedsecurity.sophos.com. Until next time, stay secure.